0: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
0: Welcome back to another episode of Coffee and UFOs, where we sip on our brews, whatever that may be for you. For me, it's always coffee. And we talk high strangeness. Joining me is Ryan Spreck of Somewhere in the Skies podcast. And if you'd like to see this conversation in video, just go to youtube.com slash paranormal pop. And for future content updates, follow me on Twitter at Paranormal underscore now. All right. I hope you enjoy this episode of Coffee and UFOs.
1: And I see these, um, like these lights in the water. So I get down and I'm like, what is that in the water? And they're just so out there and so ridiculous that I'm like, oh my God, like, what am I doing here? You've got a very supportive younger generation coming into the field of ufology yeah. um, who are ready to ask new questions. Oh, cheers, my man. Oh, yes. Gotta, cheers. Gotta show you oh, my. I love, nug- the mug. <laughs> I love it. That's this awesome. came from uh, one of my listeners, actually. He went out to uh, Area 51. Oh, really? oh. And I don't know if you can catch this on the camera. Yeah, it's actually yeah.
0: got like the little alien
1: that's a uh, logo on it so yeah. I thought it was appropriate for this conversation.
0: Did he get it during the raid? <laughs> no much no? earlier
1: no oh, okay. he's he's like an OG he's been out to Area 51 nice. for years and years so I was super happy and honored that he gave me this so I yeah. hold it very close to my heart so cheers. that's
0: great yeah well cheers <laughs> and welcome officially to this episode of Coffee and UFOs.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to be on. I've been watching for a while now. So yeah. I'm a big fan, my man.
0: Oh, thank you, man. And, and for everyone listening, this is Ryan Spreck. If you don't know him, he is the author of Somewhere in the Skies and the fantastic podcast, Somewhere in the Skies as well. Um, so I implore you all to go to iTunes or whatever you use to subscribe to his podcast. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll start with the first question you know, I just sure. like got to, to the chase. Um, so for those who are familiar the, with this series, you know, we ask the same questions to everyone. Um, and it's just interesting to get everyone else, everyone's uh, different take on this different ufologists, um, enthusiasts, like I call myself, you know, because I, I was talking to, to Cheryl Costa on a, on a recording I did with her. And, you know, we were talking about what is a UFO researcher? What is a ufologist, you know, and I was like, I don't fall in any of those categories. And I, and I don't like it when people call me that because i'm an enthusiast i haven't written a book i haven't published anything um any findings as it were um and we i think that term gets tossed around a lot it, yeah. you know a lot of people call themselves um armchair researchers and that, and i think that's kind of okay if you if you tack on armchair researcher um because <laughs> it basically means you're at home reading a lot of books yeah yeah you know, which yeah is, which is cool that, that's great Um, But to go out there and actually call yourself a ufologist, I think there's a lot of people that do that loosely.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I've been guilty of that at times, too, because I'm not not like a boots on the ground, MUFON field investigator where I'm going out every week and hunting UFOs. But, you know, I did travel the country for almost Mm -hmm. a year interviewing people in all walks of life about their UFO encounters. So for me, I like to call myself a UFO journalist. Um, you know, I don't have a journalism degree. Uh, there is no ufology degree either. So I kind of just mashed them together. And that's kind of where I lay somewhere in that, uh, yeah. that uh, yeah, nebulous area, I guess.
0: <laughs> I guess, yeah, there probably is a lot of, a lot of nebulous area. I mean, yeah. I guess if I were to be liberal with myself, I'll probably slap that label on, on that episode with Cheryl. But maybe, yeah. maybe I would call myself an amateur ufologist. There you, know, you go, my man. Could, could there you one, go. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I think with you, I think you, you do deserve the title. I mean, t- honestly, I mean, cause on the occasion I'll write just a, a blog piece, right. Uh, very rarely. And when I do, you know, it takes time. It takes effort, you know, um, not just to just kind of fact check yourself, but you know, just to put yourself on the page and go through the editing process. To, so to write a book based on a series of so many other people's personal encounters, um, which took time to research. I think that totally qualifies you. Plus you're obviously engaged in uh, conventions and you're doing your podcast every week. So, so that's awesome, man. Oh, thank um, you.
1: It's a lot of fun. I'm not going to lie. A lot of work, but a lot of fun. I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't enjoy it. So, uh, mm-hmm. Hey man, you're, you're welcomed into that, into that family. Any I appreciate time. <laughs>
0: that. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you. So have you Ryan seen a UFO?
1: I have yeah I had a uh a UFO sighting when I was 12 years old that was kind of my uh I guess my initiation into this whole UFO world I'd never been into UFOs um I wasn't into like sci-fi or anything I was an athlete when I was a kid like baseball was my life I thought I was gonna be a professional baseball player um you know well what 12 year old doesn't I guess at that point but um yeah, I was on a weekend getaway with my my parents. We were up uh near the St. Lawrence River. Mm-hmm. Uh right on the border of Canada and uh, the US, New York. And um we would stay at this this motel called the Fisherman's Wharf Motel. Mm-hmm. Um I looked it up recently. They actually got rid of it unfortunately. The it's whole like um, gone. The motel's gone. It's like just kind of like um what would you call that? Like a port almost with like restaurants and little shops and stuff. It's cute. Um, but when I was back, man, it was like this gritty motel, um, you know, where you would go to fish. There was a dock right off of the motel and I loved fishing. So I would just, um, I would go out there by myself, uh, like right when it was turning dark, even I, I loved fishing when it was like just the sun was going down, and I would bring my discman out. And um, mm-hmm. I remember,
0: time. Yeah.
1: Oh my god, yeah, man, I loved it. Even even as a twelve year old, I needed that R and R.
0: Apparently, yeah.
1: <laughs> I was like an eighty year old man. But um, <laughs> no, I uh, I was listening to Green Day actually on my discman. Okay. So that puts you back in the uh, what was it? The mid nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember specifically the song uh, "Basket Case" was playing. And I put my line out, and I start reeling it in, and I see these, um, like these, ref- lights in the water. So I get down, and I'm like, "What is that in the water?" I literally thought there was something underneath there. Mm-hmm. So I bend down, and then I realize it was a reflection. So <laughs> I get up, I look up, and that's when I saw it. Whatever it was, it was. Um, it had like three white triangles in a triangular formation, um, three white lights, excuse me. And, uh, sort of this red hazy ball in the middle. And, uh, there was no machinery. I didn't see like a craft or anything like that. Um, but it was still pretty dramatic. It was just this triangular formation just hanging there in the sky uh wasn't moving there was no sound whatsoever uh i remember i like ripped my headphones off just to see if i could hear anything there was nothing i just heard like the um the water that was hitting the dock Mm -hmm. and uh just staring up at this thing and it felt like it was happening forever i'm sure it was only a few seconds but um I finally yelled for my dad who was inside our motel. I could see the door was open. I could like see his feet on the bed and I'm yelling like, dad, dad, come out, come out, please come out, come out. And um, eventually he runs out. He thought like I fell in the water or something. And as he comes out, the thing, I'm not kidding you, starts moving and it starts coasting over the water and heading across the river towards Canada And he actually saw the tail end of it. So I knew I wasn't imagining this. I knew, um, you know, I, it wasn't my imagination as a kid or anything. And we just both kind of watched it uh, disappear, like, over the water, like the cusp of the, where the water met the sky. And um, he told me it was a plane, of course, you know, doing his fatherly duties, trying to calm me down. But he didn't see that thing, like, right above me and how freaking big it was, and how quiet it was. Um, He just saw the tail end. So I knew it wasn't a plane, even as a 12 year old, you know, I wasn't an aviation expert, but I knew whatever the hell it was, it wasn't a plane. That kind of just stuck with me, man, uh, for years and years
0: to come. Yeah, I mean, once it gets its, its hooks in you, like that, that's it.
1: That was it, dude. It changed the whole course of my life. I'm not kidding you.
0: Like, no matter what it was, it could
1: have been anything, a blimp, it could have been uh, some huge kite, Um, it could have been a stealth craft, I don't know, it was the mid-90s, but it changed my life, and it kind of sent me on this course to look at UFOs, and then it was just chain effect from there the snowball rolled down the hill and i right i just became obsessed with the topic
0: well it's it's the unexplained it's still in that category and yeah. so even if someone were to say to you well ryan it could be a or it could be b those are just could be's. those are also forms of speculation absolutely i mean skeptics do that all the time we we get charged with Oh, you guys are just speculating loosely. Well, I was like, oh, you do the same thing. Yeah. You're saying it could be whatever. I don't know, but it could be. Well, that's what we're saying. It's just, you know, yeah. two different perspectives. That's a good point,
1: man. I think a lot of people, skeptics get a bad rap too, I'm going to admit. Um, but at the same time, yeah. like they they are pretty quick to dismiss things when they have absolutely no idea what it could have been. They weren't there when I saw this. So they can't tell me what I saw. Um, I'll probably never know what it was. But um, yeah, I I try to stay open when it comes to skeptics, because I am one myself. I'm not going to lie. I'm a skeptical believer.
0: I guess a better term would be debunker.
1: Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, debunkers are our worst enemy, when they won't even look at the facts, the data, nothing. Mm Just it was a weather balloon. It was swamp gas movement. It, yeah, yeah. Yep.
0: yeah. There's nothing wrong with I don't knows, um, and I feel like in the culture of ufology, the, a lot of people they they don't feel comfortable saying I don't know. They want to say yes, it 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 is aliens or yeah. it's U F O. It has to be this, you know, um, and that's also not healthy either.
1: No, it's not. And let me tell you, anyone out there who says they have the answers and they know what's in control of UFOs, run for the hills. That's what I tell people, seriously, seriously. nobody knows, man. <laughs> Ufology is, I don't know, and well, that's I would, okay.
0: I would say the difference between, although I think you're kind of, you're opening your, the, the, your breath of study a little bit more, um, but I think the difference between you and I, for instance, like when on my show, I, I host people who are like very speculative, like and very sort of sort of out there um with some of their ideas, right, like just just these aliens are here to save us, that sort of thing. I've been in contact with ets blah blah blah, and so i you know I give them that platform to share that because I feel like most of the time the people that I'm speaking with are coming from a place of truth in in their experience um, now, how you know how have they allowed their own truth to kind of run away with that, them? I don't know. Um, but I think it's okay to, to, to leave that door open a little bit, but I had a guest recently and I, and I won't say who it was that crossed the line for me. Mm. And, um and I had to just draw a, a, a line in the sand. And the following week I had to go on like my own diatribe, like distancing <laughs> myself from that, that person. Yeah. Um, whereas, whereas you, I feel like you, you you know the nice thing about your approach is 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 that it is a little bit more conservative, and, but in a good way, you know, in a good way. You you are saying like I I, I don't know I need data. Um, I don't think unless I'm wrong. Do you do you, do you entertain more um, of like the, the those who have a spiritual experience with with UFOs? Because I mean, most of the podcasts I feel like that I listen to you it's like hardcore ufologists that that are researching.
1: That's a really good question. man. I mean, I, I do come from a very experiencer oriented background when it comes to my form of ufology, I guess. Um, I love interviewing witnesses. Witness testimony is everything for me. You know, again, we can have a time and a date of a sighting, how big a craft was, um, but at the end of the day, it's the person having the experience that we have to rely on when we don't have all the data. So take that for what it's worth. A lot of people think stories are worthless and they don't get us anywhere. Oh. And I, uh, I beg to differ. I think the yeah. story is everything. Every story has some sort of value at least in what I'm looking at. And if I could start to make patterns between the stories, uh, get these people together, that's another big one. I've had UFO witnesses who felt so alone and, you know, did think they were going crazy. Mm -hmm. And when I was able to hook them up with another witness that was there at the same time or had a similar sighting, like that's it for them. They now know they're not alone. So in terms of the spirituality thing, um, yeah, that's a big part of this as well. I mean, if, if you want to go down the sort of belief system route or even religious route, um, UFOs can be a religion. It is a faith based on, you know, <laughs> it's a blind faith, I guess I would say, based on something we can't prove yet we still believe in it so yeah. I, I think that's fascinating it's a very sociological or um,
0: cultural
1: yeah. lens to look at the ufo topic through and i love doing that because i love people when i'm here in new york you know when you and i met up that one time i was on my way to um to broadway i work in the theater world yeah. i love to write plays so characters are my thing man so if I can use what I've learned as a playwright and apply yes. that to my UFO research, mm-hmm. uh, that's it for me. I've melded my worlds together that I never thought would collide.
0: That's very cool. Yeah. But I'm with you a hundred percent on the whole spiritual aspect of it, of that that personal experience that that one can have. My My concern is when, you know, someone starts sort of proselytizing and recruiting people into their I don't want to say UFO cult, but yeah. cult adjacent, maybe, you know what I mean? Uh, a belief system based on what they say these beings are telling them. And then I, not having any experience, just stumble across this person online or on a radio show, and I start believing and subscribing in what they're telling me. That's where it gets a little bit slippery for me. I mean, I, I, I try to ride that line without giving the wrong people the, the platform
1: it's hard man i i commend you because uh it is you are giving people a platform mm-hmm. and they're either going to use that for good or bad and right. exactly. i will say right now ufo field is full of charlatans and people yeah. taking advantage of people's belief systems and i won't name names because they don't deserve the acknowledgement um they can come to me personally if they want to know but um Yeah, it's sad. It's sad, but you find that in any field as well. But this happens to be a special, unique uh, field—either UFOs or even the uh, paranormal—where a lot of it is based on belief, and people just want something to believe in. You know, especially in today's world, where you know things are very uncertain, especially right now. Um, They don't want to think for themselves. They want someone to tell them what to believe, Mm -hmm. and uh, that's tough. And I find myself doing that too sometimes where I, I go on blind faith and believe something and then I got to sort of rein myself in and be like, wait, like uh, it's, it's good in one way and it's bad in another. But as long as you stay grounded, I think that's where you're going to find that, that good middle ground for sure.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I think if you, it, it's totally okay to entertain someone's idea to kind of like hold it, but don't, but don't make it a part of you. You know, it's like there is some mysticism, some truth in there. I think that's very fulfilling um, for us as humans, but we have to be careful about what we do with that information. Oh,
1: absolutely. It's a, it's a big responsibility, especially like you said, when um, you know, you start doing the podcasting thing or speaking at these conventions, there's so many times where I go to these things and uh, I sit in the back of the room and i I just did my talk or whatever and another speaker comes on and they're just so out there and so ridiculous that I'm like, Oh my God, like what am I doing here? Am I enabling these people? Or, um, it's, it's such a fine line, such a fine line. And I think, again, as long as you uh, give everyone the same respect when they're telling you a story um, and you know, hear them out. It's up to you what to do with that information, whether you're going to put it out to the world or be like huh, maybe I'm going to keep that one, you know, at the bottom of the uh, the pile. <laughs>
0: exactly. right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think many of us um, our first exposure to a number of these topics in the in ufology and paranormal came from programs like Coast to Coast AM. And when I was always listening to it, when I, I first started listening to it, when we, were, um, we had moved out to California for a short time, and uh, actually going cross country, my, my uncle was like, hey, check this radio station out. And uh, I think that I, I always saw it as, it's okay that it's like partly, there's a part, partial entertainment aspect to it. Do you know, it, it's thought provoking, yeah. like a science fiction book is, do you know? Oh. And, Absolutely, and I so I, I think speculative is totally okay, long as long as you understand, um, and you're rational about it to a degree. Um, so yeah. The next question is: Have you seen? Because we're we're definitely going over time. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> have you seen a cryptid or a ghost? Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, let me let me rephrase that. Okay. I've experienced what I think was a ghost, oh. and I'll um, I, I won't take up too much time. But yeah, I was in Nova Scotia. Um, in Liverpool, Nova Scotia, of all places, Mm. and I was at a ghost hunt, and I'd never done one of these things before. I went in totally like, this will be entertaining, whatever. I had a few beers in me, and I'm like, okay, let's see how this goes. I'm a UFO guy going into a ghost hunt, Um, and I was really skeptical, I'm not going to lie. The whole ghost thing has always been really in my gray basket until uh, this night. So I, um, I had an experience where I was sitting there and, uh, excuse the sirens in the background. Welcome to New York, New York during a pandemic. Yeah. It's every like five minutes. Um, mm. yeah. So I'm trying to communicate with what we were told was a young girl in this building. I was in a, a county museum and, uh, we were trying to communicate over a spirit box, you know, these machines where they flip through radio signals, um, frequencies, I should say, you try to pick things up. Mm-hmm. Uh, that wasn't working at the time. Um, they, then we started to get some weird stuff, um, go through it. Cries of a little girl, um, laughs of a little girl it was a little creepy. Um, but that, that didn't sell me on anything to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, until I was sitting by myself in a corner and I felt this weight go down on my legs. I was sitting cross-legged on the ground mm-hmm. and it felt like someone was sitting in my lap. Whoa. And then I felt like cold fingertips on the back of my neck, almost like someone was sitting in my lap and like hugging me yeah. and just like, and it felt like a child, I'm not going to lie. And then as soon as I reacted to it, it felt like the weight was lifted off and it rushed out of the room. Yeah. Um, Meantime, one of my very skeptical friends was in the doorway and he moved out of the way of the doorway for no reason. He didn't know why, nothing.
0: So, at, at the moment when this thing was moving away from you? Yeah,
1: when it felt like it got so, up and like went away. Yeah. Um, so take that for what you will. But it was something I felt that convinced me that there was some sort of energy there. It right. definitely felt like a child. And um, it was a little scary, but it was actually more comforting, to mm-hmm. be honest. Um, having a ghost you know, Yeah is a lot better than scaring the bejesus out of you. So.
0: You have a friend in the ghost world, so oh, you kind of like feel a little protected, you know? Yeah, I don't know yeah. what
1: I did to deserve that. I <laughs> I've been, you know, ribbon on ghost hunters my whole life. But no, I have a newfound respect for the paranormal community, uh, ghost hunters, and mm-hmm. um yeah, man, that was definitely uh, it had a lasting impact on me.
0: Yeah, there's definitely a lot of filler. In ghost hunters and and shows like this, for sh- for sure, for sure. Um, but you know, having talked to some of th- those people, investigators and ghost hunters on the on the program, um, they you know they they know that there there's a certain amount of entertainment that they have to do, but it doesn't mean that they don't sincerely believe in what they're they're looking for, and they haven't had you know actual experiences on their own.
1: Oh yeah. I'm sure behind the scenes, there's a lot of things that don't make it on camera that could be considered paranormal. But again, it's television. Mm-hmm. It's entertainment. It so you take that for what you will, and you just hope something sticks.
0: Right. It's like ancient aliens. Everything they say is true. <laughs>
1: yes, yes. <laughs> In theory, yeah. Could it be?
0: Same narrator, same producer for Curse of Oak Island. Could that's it be? That's the hook
1: line. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> what if <laughs> uh, ancient aliens just the kings of memes yeah. and pop culture? Yeah,
0: <laughs> but are, are you do you watch uh, Curse of oak
1: Island? I've seen it. I actually, when I was in Nova Scotia, I got to go on the island. Oh, nice! Uh, which was I, I didn't know about the show at the time. I didn't know the lore and the mystery behind it, really. Mm-hmm. But I was with um a mutual colleague, Micah Hanks, and they actually led us onto the the island. And um, they've got like this really cool like cultural center almost, like museum, uh, about the mystery. Mm -hmm. So we got to walk around and um, hear the history and lore about it. And I will say, being on that little island, like it's got an energy unlike anything I've really felt before. (laughs) And whether that's years of history um, sort of impacting me as I was learning it, but uh, yeah, it was was interesting to see.
0: Well, I mean, the series is finally... It's getting really interesting, but it's just that they, they take a summer's worth of, of research and spread it out over like, what is it, like 20 episodes or something? Yeah. Like, I've gotten to the point where I just skip like every one or two episodes because <laughs> they recap anyway, like yeah. five times throughout the show, you know, they're like, oh, yep. a few weeks ago, they found blah, 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 you know. So, it reminds me of uh, Monty Python, uh, Holy Grail, <laughs> like, get on with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> Yeah, I was like, you can do this in like six episodes. Yeah. But, um, but it's, it's, it's really interesting. It's really the, the number of um, artifacts and discoveries they found at this point and structures really deep um, that are totally like pre-searcher at this point. It's, it's oh, wow.
1: Yeah. I'll have to check it out for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so then we'll just boil this down to one last question. We kind of covered it a little bit, I think. But what do uh, you think needs to change um, in ufology and or what is the future of ufology?
1: Wow. Yeah, I'll try to um I'll try to answer that as best I can. I'm no uh I'm no authority on what should change because I'm learning as I go to, but in my personal opinion, um I think the tribalism has to change you Mm -hmm. see this in any community or field as it were uh but i notice a lot in ours and it's always been there um you might have a theory and then 10 other people have a theory and they pounce on you and they you know they won't leave you alone and they you're the idiot not them um so yeah i think in terms of that ever since social networking has started twitter especially uh Mm -hmm could be used for good, but it's also can be very, uh, very mean spirited at times too. So I think what needs to change is um, the closed mindedness. I think people need to just be more accepting of one another in our theories. And I do see that happening. So I mean, in terms of where I think it's heading, um, I'm loving this new thing on Twitter. It's hashtag UFO Twitter. So I suggest everyone like you know, put on notifications for it or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. You've got a really passionate group of people and it's growing every day, yes. uh, just having conversations about UFOs. Sure. And it's younger people who are on Twitter. So you're not getting the... Um, you know, the 80, 90 year old gatekeepers telling you everything you do is irrelevant or wrong Mm -hmm. or inaccurate. Um, you've got a very supportive younger generation coming into the field of ufology, um, who are ready to ask new questions instead Mm -hmm. of talking about Roswell again, or, you know, these cases from 40 years ago, nothing wrong with that. I do that on my show all the time. Uh, but I think it's exciting and refreshing to see new people coming in and, uh, really getting out there. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for the feature of ufology for sure.
0: All right. Nice.
1: Thanks, Ryan. Thank you, man. Hey, cheers. Cheers, we brother. both We both need this right now. And uh, Indeed. stay healthy, stay safe, and all that good stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'll put links for uh, Ryan's website and podcast down below. And uh, cheers to you all. And please stay safe during this odd COVID-19 uh, period that we're going through. All right, brother. Take care. You too. Hey, everyone, if you like today's content, please subscribe to this podcast. And for content updates, please follow me on Twitter at paranormal underscore now. All right, live in the mystery. And until next time, be well.